you are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. today and we're starting this series Uh, we'll be preaching through the book of Romans Uh, today is lifelines of grace and um, I I encourage you to get the book soul set free by John Lindell this it's absolutely a terrific book he covers the first eight chapters of grace but we want to preach through all of Romans and um, uh, Paul said there you go yeah Boy, give a hand to our uh, tech team. They're on the ball. How about that? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. So uh, let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. We'll dive right into this. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how Paul begins um, his address to the church in Rome. The church in Rome, the purpose of this writing of of the book, one of the purposes was that the church of Rome was facing some real issues, some conflicts, if you would, between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. Um, The Jewish believers were the one that had first come to faith in Christ but uh, someone new had arisen in power and he was tired of the Christians and he ordered everyone out of Rome, all the Jewish believers primarily out of Rome. And so they, they went. They had been used to, they were the dominant majority in, in that church there, uh, but suddenly they didn't have a place. They had to leave. And, but several years later, um, some think it's five years, maybe a few more years, a, a new a person arose, a new edict that welcomed everyone back to Rome. And so the Jewish people uh, who were converts and following Jesus Christ came back and they, they just assumed that they were now, uh, they'd take up where they left off. They were the leaders, they were the heads, they were, by the way, they were God's chosen people. And the Gentiles or the Greeks, as Paul calls them, said, no, just hold it just a minute. We've been holding down the fort, and we've got our own way of doing things, and we don't, we don't value what you value and vice versa. And Paul, one of the purposes of writing this book, he wrote to both, to all, about the foundations of faith to, to reemphasize, to rebuild, if you would, to reassess, and to have the Spirit of God and the grace of God work in this church that would be very, very, very powerful. In fact, Paul was on his way to Rome, uh, on his way to Spain, and um, that's an often overlooked thing, but Paul said it, on my way to Spain. And so you have this guy in his 60s, he's gnarly, he's been beat up, he's been shipwrecked, he's been stoned, he's been left for dead, 
threatened with his life, and he's near the end of his life, but he says this, that on my way to Spain, I'm going to stop and see you. And what that meant was he was going to this country of Spain. And no doubt people are saying, Paul, hold back. Don't do that. You don't have any connections there. You don't know anybody. But Paul said, I'm going anyway. I'm going in. I'm going to establish the work of the Lord. I'm going to plant churches there the same way that I have throughout the Mediterranean, uh, in Rome and Greece, and, and, and even in the Middle East. And so he writes and he says to all who are beloved of God. How many this morning are beloved by God? Would you raise your hand along with mine? Beloved by God. Well, if you raise your hand, you're a saint. That's what the scripture says. You say, well, I don't feel like a saint. And husband and wives, don't poke each other. But you are beloved by God and Paul calls you a saint. So I want to talk with you today about from God's word about lifelines of grace how to keep those lifelines open so the grace of God can flow to us in ways that we have never thought possible, that we can be flooded, if you would, by the tide of God's grace running strong in our life that takes the edge off things, that allows us to rest and experience his peace, his love, and the fullness of his grace those lifelines of grace. There's five I want to talk with you about. In 2013, my 83-year-old father, that was on a Saturday, he was in Florida, and uh, I, we had a phone conversation. I said, Dad, how are you doing? Because uh, for years and years, I've had the privilege of calling my dad, who, who is still at 91 in active ministry, very active ministry, in fact. And uh, um, just to, and we'd always say, well, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And at that point, he had retired from being the lead pastor. And so I called him up, Dad, how you doing? What's going on? But even though he was in Florida, they were very involved in a local church. And he said, oh, man, he said, I don't feel very good. He said, I was working out in the yard yesterday, and I just don't feel good. Like my whole chest, it doesn't feel good. And it was Saturday, and he's out there working. And that's just that work ethic, you know. And, and, uh, and it was late in the afternoon. He said, I don't, I don't think I'm, I can do much more today. I said, Dad, I think you need to go to the hospital. I don't like the sounds of that. No, I don't want to go to the hospital. And how many would reply like that? I'd do the same thing. He said, they're liable. They want to, they'll take me in an ambulance. It's hard telling how long I'm going to be there. I'm going to be okay. I'll be, I'll, I'll be fine. I said, Dad, I really think you need to go. He said, well, he said, I don't want to drive myself. And so my, my Uncle Charles drove him. My Uncle Charles uh, drove him to Ocala, Florida. They have a great heart. Um, just they're, they're known for their, their cardiac unit. And uh, the word came that night. They took my dad in, and they immediately took him to surgery, cut his clothes off him, and did, did an invasive uh, open heart where they cut your chest and they pull things back. Come to find out he had three major arteries that were completely blocked and they said if he hadn't done that he probably wouldn't have made it through the weekend. Well, it was because they were blocked, that was the pain and the things that he was experiencing. 
The good news is that was in 2013. I called him last night, and um, while he's not golfing in the wintertime, he is shoveling snow at 91. He is preaching every week. He is, he's at the church every day. He's loving life, all because his arteries, they found a way to bypass so the blood from the heart could pump once again. When Paul the Apostle wrote in Romans chapter 1, he said to all the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We're going to focus on that word grace today. God's heart in the body of grace is to pump the grace of God to every person, every fiber, every being that's there. And as we read this first chapter, there are five things that just sort of come out that Paul talks about in what I call the lifelines of grace. As those, as those lifelines or arteries are open, we can experience the grace and the peace of God like we've never known it before. John Lindell writes this, that grace changes everything. That's what grace does. It heals your eyes and nothing looks the same. You're able to view scripture, the world around you, and perhaps even most importantly, viewing your own self through healed eyes by the grace of God. Grace is a whole different way of seeing the world. It allows us to be able to know God's love in its fullness. The grace of God enables us to find life in Jesus Christ by losing our lives to him. Jesus said this, Luke 9, 23 and 24, and he said to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. You see, the grace of God is so different from this world. This world is about saving our lives. It's about fulfilling our desires. It's about another possession. We chuckle at our kids, our grandkids, and I'm sure you do too, at Christmas time, they tear open the presents and then they're looking to see what their brother and sister got. The, how many know the, the Bible says the leech leech has two daughters, give, give, they cry. There's never, there's never, you're never satisfied. But Jesus said this, that to follow him, that rather than trying to save our lives through our possession, through through our power, through our promotions, accumulations. He said, if we will say, Lord, I deny myself, I take up my cross and follow you. He said, he said in other words, if you, if you will lose your life in me, I'll empower you to find life and to save life. All the things that we do in life of our own strength and our own power can never save our life. But finding Jesus Christ 
and losing ourselves in him, Jesus said, when you lose yourself in me, you'll find life and you'll find that you, your life will be saved through me. It's a wonderful promise that God has for you and me for the followers of Jesus Christ. The grace of God works this way. First of all, the grace of God's already been bought for. We, we, we can't pay for it. It's the work of God. The grace of God is, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, he said, and this is how it works, he said, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship in Christ Jesus You've been created for good works that we should walk in them. And this is, friends, this is how the grace of God works. It's not a matter of works, but it's a matter of God's grace and our faith in the Lord. The faith, and only God can produce faith in your heart. How many are, are aware of that? Grace alone comes from God. We cannot produce grace, and we cannot produce faith. Faith comes from God because faith is spiritual, and grace is spiritual. But he gives to us a portion of faith. And so in saving faith, it's by the grace of God we are saved through faith. So our faith, our saying, Lord, yes, I believe. Yes, Lord, I want to become your child. Yes, I want you in my life to forgive my sins, and I want, I want to be adopted into the family of God. That's faith, saving faith. It allows and releases the grace of God to go to work, and the result is salvation. Can someone say praise God? Yes, that's how the grace of God works in our life. The grace of God is, takes the edge off things. The grace of God, and let me ask this, how many can raise your hands along with mine that you're a candidate for more of God's grace in your life today? Yes. The grace, the grace of God, grace is the root word of graciousness. Without God's grace operating in our life, or if it's snuffed out, we worry about everything. I just saw an article yesterday and it was about worry porn. I've never heard of that term. Has anyone else ever heard of that term, worry porn? Well, what it is is so much of journalism today, so much of everywhere we look, there's a hustle to get you and me to believe or buy something that benefits them but not us. And so, for instance, um, regardless of where you sit politically, there's journalists on both sides, there's parties on both sides that specialize in putting out information that says, that says this is how bad the other side is. How many know what I'm talking about? They call it worry porn. And you go, oh my goodness, look how terrible they are. It, it, it's true, okay? 
But the other side is saying, look how terrible and rotten they are. So I'm going to open the news today and find out how terrible and rotten those people are. It's called worry porn and we can't get enough of it. Is there an amen in the house today? That's what it's called, worry porn. It paints a picture of the other side as being terrible and it appeases the readership. It's the opposite of God's grace. God's grace, God's grace allows us to see those things going on in the world and understand that by the grace of God, it takes the edge off of it for us to rest in his grace alone, to rest and to receive the peace that comes by the grace of God. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 1 about these lifelines of grace and it's my privilege to share it with you today. The first thing that Paul said was this. He urges them and, and he writes these words to first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. The first lifeline is this, to love the local church, that's global and the local church. Love the church, love the church, love the church. It's hard to be mad at the church. It's hard to, it's hard to be upset and know the sweet grace of God in our lives. Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said this, that the church is built up by what every joint supplies. So, love the bride of Christ. Sometimes people will denigrate the church or belittle the church. They will count the church as insignificant. The Lord wants us to know that this blocks the grace of God. But loving the church like Christ loved the church releases God's grace in our life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love the perfect church. Well, uh, if you're here this morning because you've not found the perfect church and you're looking for it, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but... Something will be wrong this morning. Now, it won't be the hot cookies, fresh cookies afterwards. I don't think you'll find anything wrong with the cookies. But there's someone has said, there's no perfect church. And if you think you found it, once you do, it's already imperfect because you're there. But what we're called to do, friends, is to love the bride of Christ. Love the bride of Christ. 
Listen to what Paul says. He said, I thank God for you continually. Now he's writing to two factions, Jews and Gentiles, and they're at each other's throat. And yet, like a, like a parent, he loves them like children. They've got problems, yes, but they're his, they're his children in the faith. He loves them as the bride of Christ because Jesus loves you and me as his bride. Notice that he said, I give thanks for you. I thank God for the church because the testimony, your testimony is going throughout the whole world. He thanks God for the church because God has created the church to be his plan A for the spread of the gospel. There's no plan B. Perfect or imperfect, we are plan A for God. And he says, love the church, love them. And then Paul said, I pray for you and I long to be with you. I just want to encourage our hearts this morning that as we discern and we say, I'm going to love the church, I'm not going to be ticked off by everything that happens in the church. I'm, you know, someone's looked cross-eyed at me and I'm, I'm not going back there. But we say, no, I'm going to love the church because Jesus loved the church. Guess what will happen? It unclogs that lifeline to you and me. And when we love what God loves, how many believe that God's grace flows there strong and strong and strong? Love the church. The second thing that Paul said is this. He said, desire the work of the Spirit. Desire the work of the Spirit. Verse 11, 12. He said, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. Now, Paul was going to bring some spiritual gift. He said, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul said, I want to impart a spiritual gift. And if it's received, we will both be encouraged. Church, the work of the Spirit among us is the presence of God. There's no substitute for us. Everyone here this morning that has made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you've had a transforming experience by the work of God's Spirit and no doubt you've had several experiences with God that only the work of the Spirit can do in our lives. There's no substitute for it. Our talents are not enough. Our works are not enough. Our intentions are not enough. But the work of the Spirit that melts hearts, the work of the Spirit that draws us to sing, you are worthy of it all, transports us into God's world. Moses said in Exodus 13, 14 through 16, he, he said, O Lord, unless your presence goes before us, do not take us up from this place, for your presence separates us from all the peoples of the earth. 
And then Moses went on to say that the presence of God shows his favor on his people. Church of this year, this year I want to encourage us. I want to lead the way by saying let's desire the work of the Spirit among us. Yeah. The work of the Spirit. What does that look like? Well, there's a, a, there's a lot of things, but I, I believe like this evening at prayer meeting, we're going to be praying for God to heal bodies. Amen. You can come. You, we'll anoint with oil or you can stand in for somebody. That's the work of the Spirit among us. The work of the Spirit, as Josh was talking this morning, I believe he had a word of knowledge, if you would, that if you're here and he mentions something specific, that was for you, for one person or more. That's the work of the Spirit. As you respond to that, God releases that grace in our life, that work that only he can do. The third thing is to prioritize the power of the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Prioritize the power of the gospel. The gospel is what it's about. It's the central point of Scripture. It's the leverage point. It's the fulcrum. It's the will of God. He's not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance and faith through Jesus Christ. When we prioritize the gospel as a church, as an individual, the grace of God flows very, very strong in our lives. It's what Henderson Road Campus is all about. It's prioritizing the power of the gospel. You see, friends, the power of the, power of the gospel because God is not willing that any should perish, the power of the gospel is not only manifested in, in that the, we have good facilities and we support missions and that there's generous people that are here and we have a worship team and a good, good ministries. That's only part of the gospel. How many understand that? It's called the obedience of faith to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, Jews, Gentiles, Grace Assembly, Henderson Road, uh, a campus, Grace in Espanol. We prioritize the gospel, the Great Commission. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. So yesterday morning, we, we put the word out that um, something had uh, came up that uh, we weren't aware of, but um, we, the ceiling grid was all installed, but there was no tile in it. So, man, there were just piles and piles of this stuff. Uh, and the electricians are coming on Wednesday and Thursday to install all the lights. Uh, it, and, uh, but we had to have that all done. So we put word out, 14 people showed up, from kids in high school to old geezers. So us, we old geezers, I didn't climb ladders. I, I opened packages and just kept the supply line going. And I thought that would take three or four hours. And, uh, you know, we put this word out. Fourteen people showed up. And we started at 8 o'clock. And at 8.31, we were done. Now there's 15 people because George Weber came, and it was already done, and it was, it was done. 
15 men and, and, and a, 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 young, a college graduate, that uh, female, and, and it, it was just marvelous. So the electric's going to be installed this week, and isn't it beautiful? Isn't that place beautiful? How lovely, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. When we prioritize the gospel, we don't see the gospel and the demands, may I say, the demands of the obedience to the faith of the gospel as being something that we shirk and we run away from. We embrace what God asks us to do. Can you say amen with me this morning? Amen. We embrace that because how lovely on the mountains, how lovely on Henderson Road are the feet of those who bring good news to that community and that commu and those neighborhoods around us. So this past week, I met with Pastor Josh and Skyler, and they're to be married at the end of April, and and they're going to live there. They're, we're going to have a pastor and his wife that are ministering in that area, and we met together, and they said, Pastor Paul, we're so excited. They said, we've just been dreaming about this, and we've driven in those neighborhoods, and there's all kinds of roads off of Henderson Road. And they said, do you know there's more developments and there's apartment complexes we didn't even know was there. Do you, do you feel what I'm feeling right now, anybody? Do you feel what I'm feeling right now? Amen. And this is the prioritizing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace of God flows there. When we say, no, we're not going to do it. No, it's too hard. No, I don't want to be put out. No, I don't. We cut off the grace of God in our life that flows through the lifeline of the gospel in our lives. Praise God. Is it easy? Not always. Paul said, I've been shipwrecked, I've been stoned, I've been left for dead, I've been beaten, all of those things. I've been in prison. But he said, I carry in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. And he said, for, he said I glory because we have this earth this treasure and earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And though this earthly tent be destroyed, we have a home in the heavens, not built with earthly hands, but built with heavenly hands. Praise God. And to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And I just want to say this morning, church, as we prioritize the gospel, all the gospel for all the world, the grace of God flows there and the tide of God's grace rises and we have a story to tell and we can sing truly, you are worthy of it all. Amen. Praise God. You are worthy of it all. Praise his name. Amen. The fourth thing that Paul writes about in so many words is in verse number 17, live a wire-to-wire -wire faith. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man or woman shall live by faith. Paul wrote about faith to faith. You see, there's saving faith. But there's also living faith. Saving faith, 
punches your ticket to get on the bus. Living faith. That's where you can really enjoy the ride. Living faith. He said, what, oh Foolish Galatians, have you begun in the spirit? Now you're going to end in the flesh? What, oh, foolish Galatians, you've begun in the spirit? He would say to them, now live out your salvation. Verse 17 tells us this. If we could put it up again. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God. For in it, in the gospel, in the obedience of the faith of the gospel, the righteousness of God, the ways, the love, the grace, the peace of God is revealed from faith to faith. Wire to wire faith. It's an old horse racing term. They had a wire when they started and then they crossed the finish wire. It means to go all out in our pursuit of God and our obedience to the faith of the gospel. Wire to wire faith. I want to encourage you that as we say, Lord, yes, wire to wire, I'm going to love you, I'm going to enjoy you, that God's ways and God's wonder and the grace of God are increasingly unfolded and manifested in our life. Praise his name. Yes, yes, yes. There are times when people will attach insignificance to the church. The only thing insignificant about the church is what people attach to it. But the church isn't insignificant. Living for God is not insignificant. Live a wire-to-wire faith. I'm going to have the band come if they come now, please. And then intentional thanksgiving, verses 20 to 21. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. I submit to you this morning that a heart of thanksgiving is the primary lifeline of God's grace in our life. Because Paul said the first, the first step in moving away from God is when we're no longer, no longer thankful to the Lord. We're no longer filled with thanks to the Lord. We, we take God for granted. One of the one of the great Old Testament scholars, Walter Brueggemann, says this. He said that the people of God treated God shabbily. Shabbily. 
It's the first step of moving away from the Lord. But when we determine to have a heart of thanksgiving, church, wow. So Paul said, he said, uh, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He wrote in Philippians 4, he said, be anxious for nothing but in everything. He said, be anxious for nothing. The Lord is near. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, pure, lovely, of good report, think on these things of the peace of God. The peace of God will attend your way. So, we don't earn God's grace, but our response of faith to the Lord, salvation, our response of faith to the Lord opens up the lifeline of God's grace in our life. And this morning, to have that heart of thanksgiving, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I thank you in spite of what's going on in the world. Lord, I thank you because you're in control of those who are in control. This peace and the grace of God that is more unbelievable than we can even begin to imagine liberates our hearts and our soul, praise his name. That our response is one of grace instead of all the things that it could be but shouldn't be. It's the heart of thanksgiving for the Lord, praise his name, praise God. Intentional thanksgiving. Would you determine with me Say, Lord, I am a candidate for your grace, but first of all, Lord, first of all, I just want to thank you that grace is even available. Lord, I, I want you to know that I love your church because you loved us. I thank God for my church. I thank God. I pray. I long to be there. I'm not looking for ways to not be there. I'm looking for ways. How can I get there? Lord, I desire the work of your spirit among us, praise God. Would you show yourself strong in healings and wonders and gifts of the spirit and change lives? Lord, Lord, I, Lord, I, I just want your grace to flow through me, to me. Lord, I prioritize the gospel, Lord, your priority. And Lord, I want to live a life of wire-to-wire -wire faith. I want to know your ways and your righteousness, your wonder increasingly over and over and over and over. And Lord, I, it just begins with I'm thanking you right now. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise his name. Praise God. God is so good. Praise his name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want to I want to ask this. How many are here? And you would just say, lift your hand, say, yes, Lord, I'm a candidate for more of your grace in my life. Would you lift your hand along with mine? And Lord, we, you see these hands and we pray. Lord, we just look to you as we've acknowledged. Lord, we, it just opens up the lifeline of your grace in our life. Would you flood us now, Lord? Lord, would you flood our hearts, our minds, our soul? Lord, our eyes with your liberating grace in Jesus' strong name. Thank you, Lord. Then secondly, this morning, if, if you want to receive Jesus Christ and his grace in your life, you're here. You say, yeah, I want to take that. I want to make that step today. Would you raise your hand? Just raise it quickly. Say, yes, that's me. I want to receive God's saving faith.
divine grace in my life. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise his name. Praise God. Amen.